The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Welcome to Grace in Focus. We are thankful that you're with us today as we continue our thoughts about Thanksgiving on this day-after edition of Grace in Focus. Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates have a few more Bible passages that speak of thankfulness and how it should work out. As Christians, we should have many good memories of God's past faithfulness. And certainly we'll learn that praising God and thanking God go together. Our website is faithalone.org and we invite you there to see some of the products and resources that will help you understand and grow in free grace truth. Now here is Bob and Ken with some further thoughts about Thanksgiving. There's a vital theme in both the Old and New Testament, and it's the theme of remembrance. In fact, if you notice in many churches, they'll have a communion table that says, in remembrance of me. In the Old Testament, they were always to remember the great acts of God. The Psalms talk about this all the time. Passover, right, was a feast they had each year to remember the great acts of God. And of course, the Lord's Supper is a time of remembering what Christ has done. And ultimately, every week when we gather together, we're to be thankful to God as we remember all the good things he's done. And as we remember those things on the topic we're talking about today, certainly one of the things we should do is be thankful, be filled with gratitude. And and doesn't that change our worldview? You were talking about the fact that if the stock market went to zero... (laughs) Well, okay. That's what it is. That's what it is, but it wasn't going to ruin your day, right? No, no. I might be a little sad, but (laughs) I'd get over it pretty quick. Yeah. And your point was you're looking forward to the soon return of Christ, and you don't find your joy in those things. Well, I do my best not to, yes. Right. But, I mean, we live in a culture right now that's pretty much anti-God, right? I mean, whatever the scriptures teach doesn't seem to be accepted by our society. Yeah, and you were mentioning in the last podcast how giving thanks in all things doesn't mean I have to be thankful for each thing, but that I can be thankful no matter what situation I find myself in because of what Christ has done and because of our sure future with him. Right. I think about grieving. Paul says in First uh, Thessalonians 4 that we're not to grieve as those who have no hope. I've heard some preachers who say we're not to grieve at all. That's not what Paul says. No. We're not to grieve in the manner they grieve. Right. You lost your daughter, uh, Libby, two years ago, right? Or right. over two years ago. And you have gone through a lot of grief. Yes, that was a very deep time of grief for yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. You don't grieve the way an unbeliever grieves, but you still grieve. Yes, what a difference it is for us, because I know I'm going to see her again, and I know who she's with. Right. So I can grieve, but it is, yes, you're absolutely right. And so within that, there's still lots of thanksgiving. In fact, you've written a book called Elizabeth, because outside the family, she insisted on being called Elizabeth, (laughs) not Libby, right? She thought it was a... Made her sound like a baby. (laughs) So you've written this book, which hopefully will be out by the time this broadcast airs. Well, from what I understand, it should be out by Thanksgiving. Yes. In that book, you give a lot of thanks, right? Yes. I'm very grateful for who she was and, and what Christ had done for her. Right. Yes. And so even though you're not thankful that Libby died, you're thankful in that experience. Yes, that's a words, good... You didn't become unthankful and bitter when that happened. I think that's a good way to put it. We could be thankful in it, but 
not for it. Yeah. There are people, however, who don't do that. There are people when they lose a child or when they lose a spouse or when they lose a parent, they become angry with God, which is part of the grieving process. But instead of going through that, uh, and of course, you don't really, in my opinion, you don't need to get to the point where you're angry with God. But let's say you do. Well, you can confess that to God and say, God, I'm mad at you, but I know this is wrong and bring me through this. But part of the way of getting through that is being thankful and saying, I'm thankful for this and this and this. And when you compare it to what Paul says, we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Imagine being an unbeliever and going through the trials and the difficulties that we all go through. I don't even know how they do it. So you got some more verses for us on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Why don't I toss it over to you? First Timothy chapter two, verse one. Here's one that deals with Thanksgiving in a particular context. All right. I'll read it and then we can bat it around. Therefore, I exhort first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And by the way, it's interesting, verse 8 says something most people miss. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, you know Greek, Ken, that there is a generic word for men called anthropos, Mm -hmm. which we could translate as man or humankind or people. But there's another word called aner. Right. And what does that mean? That's more like the male, right? And what word is here in verse 8? I desire, therefore, that the men. Is this anthropos or aner? I don't have my Greek text with me. It's aner. Aner. Okay, so that the men. Yeah. Why specify males? Because Hodges argued, and I think he's right, that 1 Timothy 2 is a Lord's Supper passage. Oh, yeah. And so at the end of the Lord's Supper, men would pray. And women were to be silent during the Lord's Supper meeting. Any other time, if they had a prayer meeting, the women could pray as long as their head were covered. At least that's the way some people interpret 1 Corinthians 11. Women can pray and prophesy, right? There were women prophets, but not in the Lord's Supper meeting. Outside Mm -hmm. of that, women could teach the Bible, women could prophesy, women could pray. But in this meeting, he wanted men to pray because God wanted male leadership in the local church. In any case, he wants the giving of thanks in uh, verse 1 to be done corporately in the meeting of the local church. We talked about this the last time. So is it Zane's position then that in verse 2, when we're praying for those in political authority, that this is something that the church is doing at the Lord's Supper? Right. Now, of course, individuals would do this too. So it's not like you can only do this corporately at the Lord's Supper, but this was something done in the Lord's Supper meeting. Wow, this is another example where, yes, we give thanks individually, but we also give thanks as a body of believers. And by the way, it seems to me when we do it as a body of believers, don't you think, Ken, that that kind of reinforces I need to be doing that on my own? Oh, absolutely. And and here, it's interesting, when we give thanks, you know, particularly like in our day and age with such political turmoil, that we can give thanks for those in authority and those in power. Well, for one thing, they've allowed us 
the opportunity to meet as a body of believers, right. whatever they provided, you know, the safety in our community or the freedom to do so or whatever the case may be, right? Right, and they were supposed to pray this even when they had a Caesar that was exactly. a bad Caesar. Exactly. And right. so it doesn't matter whether the person in the White House is somebody we like or don't like, and it doesn't matter if the Congress, the governor or the mayors, uh, we're to pray for them. Right. Thanksgiving is a regular part of the believer. And if we lose that, remember you, you've written a book on Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 23 to 25. Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but let's encourage one another. And all the more as the day is approaching. And of course, that's the return of Christ. So doesn't that suggest then that as we are not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that helps us to be who we're called to be, which includes thankful people. Yes, and that's both, like you said, as individuals and as a body. You see that in Hebrews 10, and you also see it in this next verse that we're going to look at. All right, at. give it to us. What is, is it? It's Hebrews thirteen fifteen. All right, good. Through him, obviously Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Let me just read the next verse as well. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. I just just want to point out here, once again, we see this idea of doing this with others. Yes, we do. Because we see this sharing and doing good to one another. And probably what's behind this is the readers were going through difficult times. Right. And this goes back to what you were saying, that even in those difficult times, we can give thanks. Absolutely. And this is a sacrifice to God that God is pleased with. The original readers were being tempted to go back to Judaism, and Judaism had their own sacrificial system, of course. The temple was still standing when the book of Hebrews was written. Right. But he says, we have our own sacrifices as a body that we can do good to one another and share with those who are in need and also in the midst of that giving thanks. And those are like sacrifices that go up to God. Okay, so the sacrifices are praise, but... Do you see what I'm seeing? It sure looks like praise is linked with thanks. Yes. We praise God one way is by giving thanks. A lot of people, I think, have the the wrong notion that if we say praise the Lord, that we're somehow praising the Lord. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, is a command, right? Right. So if I say to you, praise the Lord, you should say God is good. That's praising God. Mm-hmm. But saying hallelujah is not really praising God. Saying praise God is commanding people to praise God. Now, I realize it's become a kind of a self-contained thing that we say praise God and, and somehow we're praising him. You can sing hallelujah and sway to the music and be caught up in all kinds of warm, fuzzy feelings and not really be praising God, don't you think? Yes, and and like you say, part of the praising of God is giving him thanks. And in the book of Hebrews, like you mentioned, chapter 10, we meet together to encourage one another. I can thank God for my fellow believers as we are waiting for the soon return of the Lord and the encouragement that they are for me, the gifts that they have that I don't have that helps me become more like him. And so I'm thanking God for them. Absolutely. I'm thanking God for my spouse. Right. I'm thanking God for the ministry Zane Hodges had in our lives. Well, that's interesting. In the next verse, he talks about your leaders who taught you the word of God. 
And they're examples for us. Exactly. We obviously are always thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father. But our thankfulness is a mindful thankfulness. So we don't just go through looking for a feeling and saying, well, that's praising you, God. No, praising God by thanking him. And the more we know his word, the more we realize how much we have to give him thanks for. Thank you both for that informative discussion. Our goal at the Grace Evangelical Society is to teach Scripture clearly and without confusion. One of the best tools for that clarity, we believe, is our website. It's faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our site, we have all kinds of materials that are designed to help you mature and grow in your faith and your understanding of Scripture. Please come visit us at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. You'll be glad you did. God loves a cheerful giver, and that's why we think our financial partners are some of the happiest people in the world. If you would like to learn how to become a financial partner with Grace and Focus, we would very much appreciate it. Learn more at faithalone.org. It's really exciting to hear from our listeners. So if you've got a question, comment, or feedback, I hope you'll reach out to us. Best way to do that is through email. Here is our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. On the next episode of Grace in Focus, are you an overcomer? Bob and Ken will share some thoughts about it, and I hope you'll join us then. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.